Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Lord, we thank you this morning as we come to your word, that your word is going to impart light, it's going to bring clarity, and we thank you that your word is powerful. So I pray this morning as we share around this awesome, incredible topic of your kingdom, I just pray that we will continue to grow in our knowledge and we'll grow in our understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me ask you, do you think it's the end of the world? Not yet. Who thinks it's the end of the world? Who, no, who, who's, who thinks, no, it's not the end of the world yet? Okay, who's not going to put up the hand no matter what I say? We're closer than we've ever been. Who believes that? Well, we've got to be because yesterday we were one day further. So every day we, we're closer. So, so I've been on the internet and I've seen some of the discussions taking place. Some of it is uh, conspiracy, uh, taking the economy and forging it into the beast and the antichrist and 666. Now, now I know that's happened throughout the ages. Those caricatures have been put onto governments and and. You can imagine in the Second World War how rough that, w- that would have been. But at the same time, we have to be cautious because Jesus said in the last days, people will come and scoff about the end times and say, yeah, but they've been talking about this for such a long time. How do we know? So we've got those two tensions in place. On the one hand, Jesus says we don't know the day or the hour. But on the other hand, we've got to be cautious that we don't make light of the fact that the Lord is going to come back. He really, really, really is going to come back to this planet. And he's going to rule and reign with his church in the new Jerusalem on this planet. Now, now this is a glorious hope and a glorious future. And some think it's now, some think it's still a little way to go. But there is a scripture that kind of gives us some understanding on this topic, and it's Matthew 24 and verse 14, and it says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This gospel of the good news will be preached in all the nations. Now, statistics show us that that hasn't quite happened yet. Because nations are ethnos, ethnic groups, it's cultural groups, even within a country, need this gospel of the kingdom of God preached to them. So there has to be an understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. Right, We've, who's never seen that scripture before? I say that because I think most of us are familiar with the, this, this verse, that this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in every ethnos, and then the end will come. 
I think where we could misunderstand this passage of Scripture is that we think that it's just the message of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection that needs to be preached to the whole world so everybody has an opportunity to accept them, Him as their Savior so that they shall not perish but have eternal life. So most people take that verse and say, you see, this message that Jesus died and rose again and we've got to be born again has to be preached in every country, every ethnos, then the end will come. But that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Jesus spent all his time teaching on this topic of the kingdom of God. He began his ministry by preaching it, repent for the kingdom of God's hand. After his resurrection, he meets for 40 days with his disciples and teaches them about the kingdom of God. And all his parables and everything in between is about this topic. Jesus only mentions being born again once. Now, does that say, mean that being born again is not important? Of course we know it's important because you can't enter the kingdom unless you have been born again. But being born again now is only the step forward. It's not the message of the kingdom of God. So that's why it's been so important for us to understand what is this that has to be preached in all the world. And we have to come to an understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. One time Jesus is teaching on the kingdom and his disciples come to him and say, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, the knowledge, say knowledge, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. So there is such a thing as knowing about, knowing, gnosis, knowledge. It's not a swear word to accumulate knowledge. Some people talk about theology like it's just all in the spirit and any learning or study is kind of uh, just for nominal Christians and backs and you know, people don't believe in the move of the Spirit. No, knowledge is a good thing. In fact, without knowledge, you can't come to understanding. So knowledge in itself won't save you, but knowledge leads you to an experience. Because the enemy only has power in our lives over the areas that we don't know about. That's part of his deception. That's how he twists the truth. And then later on, when he explains the parable of the sower and the seed, he says to them, verse 19, anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So very important. Why are we studying this topic I believe it is the most important message you will ever hear right now in your life. There's no other message in the Bible. I believe that the church needs clarity and knowledge on as it needs on this subject right now. Ignorance here will allow the enemy to continue deceit and bring in confusion because people are waiting now for Jesus to return based on the fact that they have preached people must be born again and not understood what a kingdom is all about. We're spending some time over here 
when we don't have knowledge on something, we live below the privilege of that thing. And in fact, we can even lose it. I remember one time hearing a story, I don't know if it's a preacher's folk story, but about this uh, lady who'd passed away, this widow, passed away in obscurity, in abstract poverty. And when they went to collect her goods, he noticed there was a one picture on the room wall in the little room where she stayed. And on close examination, it was a certificate that her great-grandfather had passed down to her father and was passed down to her as the only child, which was a title deed to a large property on which they were mining and huge corporations. In other words, she was a multi-billionaire in dollar terms. But because she couldn't read or write, and she'd never been to school, she just thought it was a picture handed down that she could put on her wall in memory of her great-grandparents. What we're ignorant on can actually rob us, and we can forfeit our inheritance if we don't have knowledge about it. So the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God are so important. And this is the meaning behind Jesus' parable about the seed. You see, up until understanding the kingdom, religion is the best thing we've got. So what do you mean by religion? I mean, just going through the practices. Going through the mindset of, you know, that's bad and that's good and I must do this and this is acceptable and that's not acceptable and I belong to this abomination, I mean denomination, and I practice these creeds and I say these. And, and a religious worldview is not the same as a kingdom worldview. And if you're sitting there going, oh, well, what is this kingdom worldview? Be patient. We're unpacking. We're understanding, but we need to know this, that religion is what we do, 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 until we get the knowledge and understanding of what the kingdom is. Janet and I were watching uh, on TV, a documentary, something on people who meet online, internet dating uh, overseas. What's it called? 90 Day Fiance or something. Anybody heard of this? Then the, 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 the documentaries on the person, they're, they're meeting. So this American guy goes over to, to Kenya and meets his fiancée-to-be. And in the process, finds out that her dad is a pastor. And in order to get the parents' blessing, they have to first have a meeting with the elders and the brother. So the elders gather around with him, very stern, very somber, three-piece suit stuff. This is serious. And in this meeting, they say, they go to the Bible and they open up where Isaac was going to get a wife and the need of him to get a large gift together, like a labola, like a, a dowry, like this very expensive gift to go and impress his bride-to-be. And these elders are sitting now in Kenya with this American guy who's come out to see this girl he's had a, an internet relationship and wants to propose to. And they say... In the same way, you have to show God how serious you are. And you have to show the parents how serious you are. Now, if you've got daughters, this is a wonderful story. And you know what? If you've got gifts to give, nothing wrong with a gift. But don't tell me that that's what God has told you to do. 
Because the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, before Jesus came to preach the gospel, Jesus himself said the law and the prophets were until John. And now the kingdom is being preached. The Old Testament uh, prophets and law is the commentary to introduce the coming of Jesus into this world who is bringing the kingdom with him. That's why Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest of the old covenant prophets. Why? Because he introduced the king. But he himself said, I'm not worthy to untie the laces of his shoes. Speaking about Jesus, because he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And Jesus said, those who are least in this new kingdom are even greater than John the Baptist. I mean, it's just... How do you take Old Testament types and shadows and commentary and put it on a New Testament believer and tell them if they don't do that, God will not be pleased? If you don't bring a a gift, the same way Isaac brought his parents-in-law gift, you cannot be acceptable to her parents. I sat there, I watched this, I thought, here we go, we're just having a commentary on religion. When we don't understand the covenants, when we don't understand how to divide the word of truth, when we mix law and grace, we get into such a problem and we can make the Bible say anything. Jesus said the law and the prophets are until John, but now the kingdom is being preached. Religion is man's attempt to appease God. The kingdom is not a religion. The kingdom is about God's original intent to have a territory. The original intent was to have a people, sons and daughters, who would rule and have dominion and subdue a territory in the physical that would represent God's world in the unseen. And God would legitimately operate through his designated, delegated authority, and God himself would give himself a self-imposed not to do anything except in agreement with his delegated authority. That was God's first and initial plan, and you know what? It's never changed. God's plan was still that, except what when Jesus came to earth as the promised redeemer, He had temptation with Satan in the wilderness where the devil said, all these kingdoms will be yours if you bow. And notice Jesus didn't say to him, no, these aren't your kingdoms. Because Satan had received uh, authority in the garden when man relinquished his, his God position and had made Satan the God of this world, the system, not the earth, the system. And when Jesus came, Satan said, now I'm running the show here. You bow down and worship me. But Jesus had another plan. His plan was to legally do what first Adam failed to do, live a righteous life without sin, be crucified, die, and then in the bowels of death, go and take back the keys of sin and death. That was the purpose of Jesus, the new king, to come and take his realm, his authority, and re-delegate it back to now sons and daughters. We aren't slaves. 
We aren't just inhabitants on this planet, but we are sons and daughters. The Bible talks about us as a priesthood. The Bible talks about us as ambassadors. The Bible talks about us as citizens who have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. And I, I get that I'm repeating some stuff, but you know, I think repetition is good sometimes. Because we need to hear it over and over till we actually believe that Jesus has brought in a kingdom of which his delegated authority and ambassadorial responsibility to those who are seated in him to rule and reign on the earth. And as long as we don't see that, as long as we just see Christianity as a kind of another religion, and as long as we see Christianity just about getting my ticket to heaven, we're going to miss the whole purpose of what Jesus brought to earth. It's a kingdom with citizens that have a territory. It's a kingdom that's got economics and a culture. It's a kingdom that has a constitution. I was going to pick my Bible up and say, yeah, it is, but I just remembered I'm on digital. So, all right, that, that's kind of a, an introduction to, to what I want to say here this morning that the good news is about something. When it says the good news of the kingdom of God, it's not just saying the good news. It's saying the good news is about something. So it's good news that the kingdom of God is here. The word gospel means good news. So, brother, have you received the gospel? Yes, I have. It's good news, but it's about something. It's about the king and his kingdom. And I'm a citizen of that kingdom. I died with Christ. I was buried in my baptism. I was raised to new life. And now I have the same spirit living in me that lived in Jesus. And it's raised me from the dead. And I am back in a position of fallen Adam, first Adam, who relinquished his communion with God, having God's spirit in him. God said, the soul that sins, it will die. He was cut off from relationship with God, the Father. And the very garden he was supposed to establish and perpetuate and to enforce through subduing and dominion, he became his prison. Thorns and thistles and pain and suffering and hardship. And Jesus said, I'm coming to get it back. And yes, I understand some questions we have right now. We're in that intertestamental period, if you like. We, the kingdom has come, but it's still a sense of it's still coming. But let me tell you this. It's not just about a kingdom that's just coming. It's about a kingdom that is here, that is now, and that is at hand. And I'd rather get to heaven and find out that we were trying to take too much for now than get to heaven and find out we were trying to take too little for now. Come on. I want to share the scripture with you. Tam, you're keeping an eye on the time, man. She's my timekeeper. John 10, verse 9. Let's read this together. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Come on. Isn't that an awesome 
awesome passage of scripture. First of all, Jesus says, I am the gate. There's something about these I am declarations of Jesus that position him right in the heart of the trinity of deity. Because only Jehovah can say, I am. And Jesus, in his I am statements, is giving us a glimpse into his divinity. And he says, I am the gate. You see, there's different ways we can look at Jesus in this world today. The Jews have a certain picture of Jesus. He was just a misguided prophet, and they even called him Beelzebub, the king of flies. The Muslims have a view of Jesus, and in that view, he was a prophet who died prematurely because he wasn't wise and he got himself crucified. The Hindus, they have a view of Jesus. They just add him to the many, many other 3,000 gods they have. So instead of having 3,000, now they've got 3,001. The atheist, he comes along and says this whole Jesus story has been fabricated through the Middle Ages. It was concocted and there's no grounds to it. The agnostic comes along and says, well, even if he did exist, he was just a good person. And then Christians come along and they say, he's the founder of my religion. So you have Baptists and Methodists and Anglicans and Seventh Days and everyone's got their, it's like Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration when Elijah and Moses manifest and then were taken away and the voice said, this is my son, listen to him only. And then uh, Peter says, let's build three tabernacles quickly to preserve. So every denomination, every denomination wants to preserve their little thing. And then God comes and knocks the roof off and says, I've got some more revelation. Then the Baptists don't accept what the Methodists are teaching, so God knocks them, that roof off, and put something else on. Then the Pentecostals come, and the Methodists and the Baptists don't accept what the Pentecostals are saying, so he's got to knock the roof off again. Then the Charismatics come along, and he pulls on the roof, and the Pentecostals don't accept it, and the Baptists and the Methodists and the Anglicans and the Church of Christ, and and, and they're all hanging on to their little tabernacles because they've built little monuments, little religions. Jesus is building a kingdom. Jesus is building a kingdom. He didn't say, I'm coming to found a new world religion. He says, I'm coming with a kingdom. I am the gate. So let's settle it. I am Jehovah. He is the only way into this kingdom. Let's get that straight. And he says, so I'm the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. He'll come in and out and find pasture. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So these are quite radical statements because, first of all, no one arrives at a gate and sits there and admires the gate for the next 40 years. A gate is something that takes you from one place into another. Jesus says, I am that gate. You have to be born again. But a gate is not like 
you know, the proverbial cow in the thunderstorm staring at a closed gate with big eyes for the rest of its life. No, the gate is to pass into a pasture. What is that pasture? That pasture is the abundant life Jesus promised those who came out of the kingdom of the devil's plans to rob, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you an abundant life. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We become citizens of this new kingdom. And like anyone crossing the border of Mexico into America, if they are so fortunate to become a citizen of Mexico, I mean of the United States, they don't sit at the immigration office singing hallelujah for the next 20 years. Hey? I mean, but that's what a lot of Christians, a lot of us are like. We, we get to the gate, we get into the gate, and then we say, yeah, I'm a citizen. And now we stand waiting. Jesus, I know you're coming soon. I'm sure this is the 666. Is this the Antichrist? This is the sign of the times. I know I'm going. I know I'm going. And he says, I've got pastures for you. In other words, I've got an inheritance for you to come into, to take. And I've got so much I want to share on inheritance. It looks like I've got to hold it off to next week. Why do I do this to myself? It's because you listen so well. It's because you listen so well, and then I, I kind of talk and talk, and then I'll say I've run out of time. And I've got to be a little bit more conscious of time now because the radio only gives us 30 minutes, and we want to be concise on the online. So Jesus is saying, I've got abundance for you. Let, let's get into those inheritances next week. This morning I'll kind of pull it into an end that the keys have been given for the gate into our inheritance. Religion is what we do until we understand his kingdom. The thief in the scripture, Jesus says, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And this is his job description. This is his method of operation, his modus operandi, is to lie, to deceive, and to bring death. To kill, steal, and destroy. In the temptations of Jesus, Jesus said, it is written. Jesus stuck to his mandate. He stuck to his word. He didn't question Satan on how legitimately he got it because Jesus already knew how he was legitimately going to take it back. Jesus then restores and regains what was lost and he restores that dominion back to us when he says, my kingdom is with me, and now my kingdom is in you. And my kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of power. You see, the law and the prophets were obsessed with what you could eat and what you could drink. It was all about you can do this and you can't do that, and you can eat this. And these 50 rules of hygiene for eating and those 40 rules for what you can drink and can't drink. Non-alcoholic beer. Red wine, white wine, whatever the case. Whereas Jesus said, my kingdom is about power. Power to live life. Power to walk in authority. Power to rule and reign and have dominion. 
Paul again somewhere else says in Corinthians, uh, the, uh, the, the kingdom is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. There's a, a realm in which we enter into where there's righteousness, joy, and peace. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, as we said. You see, to conclude here this morning, this is the gospel that's got to be preached in the whole world as a testimony. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel that Jesus has restored what was lost, he's delegated what was lost, and now he says, I'm going to give you keys for that kingdom so that what you agree that's been done in heaven can be done on earth. What you dis, what, dis, what that isn't allowed in heaven, you can disagree with so it isn't done on earth. He's chosen to voluntarily restrict himself to your and my agreement. Exercised through prayer, mostly. But just exercised through our agreement. So while we're waiting for Jesus to come back, and we're waiting for God to take the problems away, and we're waiting for God to destroy the enemy, he's saying, I'm waiting for you. Because I have legally limited my involvement in the visible world to my visible creation so that the visible world will re reflect the invisible world. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Can you see? This is not just about being born again. As glorious as that message is, as important as that message is, we pass through a gate of being born into a new kingdom so that we can go in and out of pastures, inheritance that is rightfully ours. As we come into agreement, as we declare on earth as it is in heaven, there's a release of this message over all the earth, and then the end will come. I'm not preaching a message that the end's not coming. I want to tell you the end is coming. But I am saying that in these last days, the message is going out into all the earth. And we're part of that. Amen? Even, even through the radio waves, even through the internet. You know, the internet can reach places you and I could never reach. Go places we could never go. Touch lives that, that we don't even know about. One little download here and a one little upload somewhere else can bring his gospel of his kingdom to places that are steeped in religion, choked in a wrong view of what Jesus is, whether they're Jews, Muslims, or Christians. And we've got a part to play right now. That's why I'm not embarrassed about these cameras. I might have been a year ago because I had a problem with TV evangelists, some of them. But now I'm thinking through the internet, we are partnering with many other ministries that are preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And that's why your involvement here is in partnership with us. Your prayers with us are in partnership with us. This video stream that is going to be captured is your video stream. It's our video stream. 
Highway Church is proclaiming this message in all nations so that Jesus says he will come again. Now, this is a great place to stop and do a little sales pitch. <laughs> you say, thank you, God, we've got cameras. Thank you, God, we've got volunteers. Big hand, big shout out to that. But we probably... 30 or 40K away from having a stable fiber Wi-Fi connection and the software that we can live stream straight out of our services and save 12 hours of editing and cutting and pasting, which I know you appreciate you wouldn't like to spend 12 hours doing. Amen? Now, this has got nothing to do with my sermon as such. This is just an appeal <laughs> for us as a church to say, this might be our priority right now, is to get this message out. And we're going to do that. If it was the days of TV broadcasting, I believe they still got a day, but now we're talking hundreds of millions of rands to get a whole TV network set up. But when we talk about and online, live streaming to get the message out. We're talking 30, 40, maybe 50K. Price of a nice second-hand Foxy. Some people are squirming in their seats. Don't worry, we're not going to take up an offering. Yes, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see someone here with 10,000, 10,000. I see someone with 10. Yes, thank you, sister. Okay, and someone else with 15. I see, I see someone with gray hair. They've got 20,000. They've got gray hair. Any gray hair here? No, no, that's not. <laughs> but what I want to say, can you pray with me in agreement for this vision to get this message out live streaming on the internet? Can, can we do that? Can we agree for that? Come on. And thank you to those who tirelessly behind the scenes are working so hard. We want to make your lives a bit easier as well. Thank you. It's four months later, and you, just, you all get a medal in heaven and maybe one year on earth. Can we stand up together as we... I, I really didn't want to land this message on finances, but I'm feeling freedom in the spirit to do it. And I'm speaking to maybe people sitting at home watching online is that maybe there is someone sitting with 50K under their mattress for a good cause. God bless you, brother, sister. There's lots of good things to give to right now. If you want an opportunity to be generous, it's a good time. There's feeding schemes. There are skills development, things happening in the church. There are families that need help. There's God's cupboard. I know. There's the, the bills that we pay in this house. But our partnership with eternal things has an eternal reward that is also shown in this life. So thank you to all those who faithfully give month after month. It's not to us. It's not to the leadership of this church. It's so that this ministry, this local church, can continue to do what we've been called to do. So, Lord, we agree that there will be more than enough. 
we agree, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We thank you, Lord, that wherever this gospel is preached, lives will change, and the needs of your people will be met. We do say, even come, Lord Jesus. We long to see your face. I sometimes hear of people passing away, and I go, sure, is that the worst that can happen? I know it's sad. I know we miss them. But I want to see Jesus. I, wanna, I really, really, really want to be with Jesus. But like Paul said, for now it's better that I'm here with you. So Lord, we are in agreement here at 10 Harvey Road for more than enough to meet these needs. You are the gate. Amen.